Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Friday, January 31st, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Lockdown Blackhawks is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and your team is finally about to play some hockey again. They play the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow, Saturday. Thank the Lord. We will preview the game and look ahead to the next month or so with Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago. He is their Blackhawks insider. He was in Arizona Thursday. He's there all week, but he was at practice on Thursday reporting on some things, including Dylan Strom, apparently close. He practiced in full on Thursday in Arizona, so he will update Dylan Strom's status. We talk a little bit about Kirby Doc. We talk about Adam Boquist. We talk about the trade deadline. And Charlie also gets into his interview he did with Joel Quenville ahead of the game they played on the 21st. I want to pick his brain about Joel's attitude sort of off the air a little bit and how things went. Uh, you know, how did it seem when they were behind the scenes instead of just recording? Uh, so he shared some interesting stuff about that interview as well. Really nice. I think you're going to enjoy it. Very conversational uh, talk that me and Charlie had. If you don't follow him on Twitter, make sure you do. He is a really, really good follow. You can find him at, God damn it, C. Rumeliotis. That's at C R O U M E L I O T I S. C R O U M E L I O T I S. It's spelled just like it sounds Rumeliotis. Follow him on Twitter. It was a really good interview. Real quick, yesterday's podcast, I talked to you about Ben Pope's piece in the Chicago Sun-Times where he ran the poll on a bunch of Blackhawks topics. Now that it's posted, I'm going to share with you the results of those polls. Number one question, will the Blackhawks make the playoffs this season? 45.2% said yes, 54.8% said no. Number two, if the Hawks miss the playoffs, would you prefer they just miss out on the ninth creating some optimism for next year, or plummet to 15th but earn a high draft pick. 65.3% said fall to 15th, fall way out of it, get a better draft pick. Third question, will the Blackhawks be better in three years than they are right now? Are you optimistic about the long-term direction of the, of the franchise? 73.5% said yes. Do you support Jeremy Cowton as Blackhawks coach? Now, this has gone up. Since the story was published, when it was published, it was 48% yes. I think that's what the number was. As it's running, or as it ran on his poll, 50.1% say yes, they support Jeremy Cowton. So 0.1% is the difference between yes and no, which I thought, which I think is fascinating. Fifth question, do you support Stan Bowman as Blackhawks GM? 71.2% said no. Sixth question, did the Blackhawks make the right decision keeping Kirby Doc in the NHL this season? 84.3% say yes. And the last question, if only one goalie resigns, would you prefer it be Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford? No surprise, 91% of Blackhawks fans said they would prefer Robin Leonard to resign with the Blackhawks over Corey Crawford. So really, really interesting stuff. Really creative idea for Ben Pope. And, uh, you know... I, this is going to be every game from here until the deadline on the 24th of February is going to be a reevaluation of where the Blackhawks stand. So strap in 
And as it gets closer, we're going to get more specific names, more specific targets, what the Hawks could be expecting back. Usually a couple trades will happen in the days leading up to the deadline. So maybe they can get a picture of expectations. It's going to be a fascinating month for the Blackhawks, uh, not just on the ice, but off it as well. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training, amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Fine. I'm going to tell you the name of the place. I'm going to say it on one podcast, Dick's Hideaway. Okay, there. That's the only, all the information I'm giving you. It's my favorite restaurant in Arizona. It's the perfect home for baseball fans. Arizona is 10 stadiums, 15 MOB teams, 75 degree temperatures. What more do you need to know? Enjoy live music from local and national artists, hiking, biking, Jeep tours, hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, or just taking in a sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered, including tons of stuff for kids to do and see like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That's visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here, and Charlie Romeliotis, the Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago, is out in Arizona. The Blackhawks actually had a practice on Thursday afternoon, Charlie was there, and he's going to give us the latest. I mean, finally, Charlie, the puck is dropping. This was the most insulting break I've ever experienced in my in my career covering hockey. Ridiculous. God, it really felt like an off season. Like I had to like retrain my brain as to like how to write. And I know I was at the All Star Weekend, but it was like meaningful hockey. It's very nice to have it back. Yeah, and especially having to do this daily podcast and they haven't played in what ten days. So I've just been talking really slow and just saying it's a very, very important game and it's a very, very good, you know, just trying to stretch as much as I can. <laughs> exactly. That, that's what you have to do, especially during these uh, these 10-day breaks. You have to fill the time somehow. Yeah, well, that's why we're talking to you. Uh, you know, n- no offense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't blame you. Yeah, you know, I, 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 we obviously do two podcasts a week at NBC Sports Chicago. The fact that you do five in one week, like, and they're 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 fairly long, like they're thirty minute podcasts. Like I, I'm I'm a frequent listener, by the way. So Thank you. It's uh I I I commend you for the job that you're doing. Well, you we had Len Casper and Kendall Coin on, so it's not like we had you know it wasn't like you know just throw on the bums week. It was a pretty important week. That's why you're on. So by this, the way, I yeah. I learned I learned a lot from from Len Casper. I did not know that he was a Detroit Red Wings fan growing up, and I didn't know that he has watched. Every single Red Wings game this season, what is he doing? He is a, I'm telling you, he is a hockey fanatic. I, I don't tell this story often because it feels like a name drop, but I'll just do it. I don't care. One day, like three years ago, he texts me like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm like, nothing. He's like, cool, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go to Joe Louis Arena and watch the Wings and, and Maple Leafs. I'm like, oh, okay. So he picks me up. We drive to Detroit. We stay the night in Detroit. It was incredible. He, I think hockey is his number one thing. I, I really do. He texts me about hockey all the time, and it's awesome. It's it's the oh, coolest. I I know I I know that he was like a big he's a big hockey fan, but like man, to sit through every single Red Wings <laughs> game this season that must be absolutely torture. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. But I think that you know that sort of comes with the territory of having some hope in your team and. and I kind of relate to that. Like when I was a Hawks fan before they were good, 
and I'm not, you know, doing my oh, a long time. It doesn't matter. I the part of the part of it was the anticipation. Like, will this be the group that gets him to win the Stanley Cup? And more often than not, it wasn't. But look, if you're a Detroit fan and you've got Steve Eiserman in charge and you've got, you know, some good young players and you're probably gonna have one of the top two or three picks in the draft, this can turn around pretty quick. So I can see why he'd be excited and sort of looking at it from like an evaluation standpoint. Yeah, I do. I do think it is actually fun following a rebuild, but it just felt like Detroit was supposed to be a little bit more competitive this year. So Definitely. the fact that they feel like they haven't hit rock bottom yet, like, is fairly scary. Well, and that you know, I think Hawks fans can speak to this too a little bit. During the heyday of the last decade, and we can say that now because it was the last decade. Sometimes the regular season got a little bit mundane. It was just, okay, come on, get to the playoffs. None of this matters. We know they're going to make the playoffs. Fast forward, right? It's kind of nice to have a regular season that means something again as a Hawks fan. And in Detroit, that's all they have. Now we've got the Hawks in sniffing distance to the playoffs. And good news from Thursday, it looks like Dylan Strom might play Saturday. He was full, a full participant today. What can you tell us about Dylan Strom's status? Yeah, I was trying to closely monitor him during practice to see how he was reacting to that ankle and it did seem he did seem a little bit tentative like he didn't want to go he even said it afterwards like he's like tomorrow is going to be a you know Friday is going to be a more intense practice for me like I have to ramp it up and today was just about feeling how, you know how how I'm going to respond and I remember a couple of weeks ago that he tried testing it out where he there was a there was a time that he skated on at Fifth Third Ice Arena and he was out there for 30 seconds and then he just went back in the locker room. He's like, this is just not right. So it's good that he had that extra eight day break or whatever it was to kind of recover. But um, I would assume that he's going to play on Saturday, but he didn't seem very confident that he was going to be a hundred percent by Saturday. I think he's just really itching to get back in the lineup. Uh, looking at the lines today in, in practice, and I keep saying today, but it was Thursday because it is Thursday when I'm recording this uh, top line was Taves, Kajula, Kubalik. Second line, Carpenter, Kane, Saad, Kampf, Strom, Debrinkit, Doc, Highmore, Nylander. Uh, Zach Smith set out for a maintenance day. Somehow with 10 days off, he needed a maintenance day. And, of course, Dennis Gilbert was called up today as well. What, do you, what, what did Zach Smith have to say aside from, I'm just old and need some more rest? <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk to Zach Smith. It was a, it was a, the, the LA Kings are in town tonight, so the Blackhawks were kind of relegated to this closet of a locker room, so we oh. didn't get to talk to all the players they they just brought whoever we wanted out but Jeremy Collison basically said he was he was sore like it was his first day back and he maybe was doing some workouts and um he was a little bit sore as far as the lines um I don't I kind of like those lines if you flip-flop Kirby Doc and Ryan Carpenter right like those first three lines will work especially given how the top line has performed over the last I don't know couple weeks with Kubalik caves on fire and even Kajula since he returned to the lineup so it'll be interesting to see how the lines shake out on Saturday if Strom is ready to go but um, I kind of like the rotation of the first three lines if you flip-flop Kirby Dockin and Ryan Carpenter. Well now you've got the depth where you can play that sort of style if Strom is back of course where you can play that style of let's try to have three balanced lines I think Cowan was trying to do that before the break and just didn't have the horses to do it, and then would inevitably end up putting Patrick Kane back on top just because he had to. Um, hopefully now, if if he doesn't play Saturday, he'll play the next game, hopefully. And I think that's going to give Cowan a lot more flexibility with the lines, and, and maybe he won't have to 
double or even triple shift Patrick Canley he's been doing. Yeah, with the, I mean, we're in the final two months of the season, right? Yeah. The, on, on Saturday, is the, the, their next game is February 1st, so it's going to be in the final two months of the season. I don't see – I think that fourth line is really going to become, like, irrelevant. Like, you need, you need to have three solid lines to roll with for the stretch run. So the fact that Kirby was on the fourth line – and we might be reading too much into this. Like, they might not even roll these lines on Saturday. But if Kirby does play on the fourth line, it really seems strange to kind of have that – four line rotation like I think that the Blackhawks have in the past they've had one really good line or they've had inconsistent play from the top six where sometimes they're like right now it seems like they, they could have three legitimate lines with Strom back so I'm it, it, I'm not sure I agree with putting Kirby on the fourth yeah I, I agree I'm, I'm happy with the opportunities he's getting on the power play but I want to see him play with some better wingers more consistently you know Nylander's got a lot of talent but We've seen it. You don't know which player you're getting on a night-to-night basis. I'd love to see him get some time with Kane and Saad. I think that would be great for him where he's not, not the focal point of the offense on that line and can rely on some other guys to do some of the work while he picks up some points. I think just picking up some points could be really helpful for Kirby and his confidence because we're seeing when he's a, when he's playing with confidence, he's a different guy. He, you can really see what they envision him to be in two, three years. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about the this past draft class, and Kirby Doc is the guy. I mean, he might not be producing the way that maybe he should, but he's like the one player in that draft class, class Jack Hughes and Capocaco. Like, he's the one guy that really looks like he belongs in the NHL, and I don't think that he's playing tentative anymore. That's why I'm surprised that they they relegated him to the fourth line in practice on Thursday. So. Uh, I agree, Jay. I, I think they should put him on that second line. I even talked to Kirby last month, um, and he said it was it was a real adjustment for him earlier in the season to only be getting like 12 minutes a game because yeah. he's used to playing so much in all, in all situations. So I agree that the the production might not be there, but he's still a player that expects to, to eat high minutes, and eventually it's going to come, right? You would hope the so. Production. Yeah. I, I mean, the chances have been there. The I, I think – for lack of a better word, the involvement has been there. He's part of the play more often now than he was early in the season where he'd flash maybe once or twice a game. He would try to do that, you know, uh, toe drag sort of uh, deke that he always tries <laughs> yep. to do, but he sort of stopped doing that a little bit more recently. He's, I think he's just starting to figure things out. The speed of the game, the physicality, what it takes to stay in plays, and as that's gotten better, he's been a more effective player. And I think the last step for him is the production. When I watch him on the ice – I don't have any any indication that he doesn't belong or that he's struggling. He just hasn't picked up the points, and that's really my only criticism. Yeah, I, I look at some of the numbers, and he, he has the puck on his stick a lot in the offensive zone, and he's creating chances, like you said. And I think the thing for me that stood out over these last few weeks, now that he's getting north of 16, 17, 18 minutes a night, is you can see him through the neutral zone, and he doesn't he, – he's like he's calling for the puck. Like, as he's, like Patrick Kane might be on the ice or – Alex Debrinkit, he's on the ice with, and and he's like calling for the puck and he's flying through the neutral zone. So he's not that tentative player anymore. And I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think it is only a matter of time for the production to come. Um, but you know, he just turned 19 years old, so I, there is some sort of, um, you know, I don't know if he's, I don't want to say he's hitting that rookie wall because, you know, some players come from college or wherever and they're like, holy cow, the NHL is such a long season, and then, not not even to mention the playoffs that might be 
after that. So um, I don't think we're, we're hitting that. I think Kirby can really hold his own over the course of an 82 game season. I think, I think we're seeing an I I just think the production isn't there, but it will eventually start to come if he does produce or if he does perform the way he has lately. If you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawk fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Lockdown podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Lockdown advertising success. Once again, the keyword advertising to 33777, text that in, or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Our conversation with Charlie Romeliotis of NBC Sports Chicago continues. He is their Blackhawks insider. Charlie, while we're on the topic of rookie players, we've got to spend some time on Adam Boquist, and I think he's been... You talk about confidence recently. You're starting to see him kind of take control on the power play when it's not Patrick Kane. It seems like it's Adam Boquist using that vision, and now he has that ability and the confidence in his game to sort of skate his way through defenders towards the net. We saw him do that in the preseason a lot when the consequences weren't quite as dire. You know, if he messes up, it's a preseason goal. Who cares? He was a little tentative to start. Now I'm really seeing his offensive game come alive and man if Doc and Boquist become what they think they're going to you can start the conversation maybe not for another three Stanley Cups but for another perennial contender sort of a thing you know DeBrinket's going to be good if they bring Strom back you know you've got a pretty good player there I don't know if they've got that number one guy on offense or defense but Doc and, and Boquist and I want you to talk about Boquist a little bit those their arrow is pointed almost straight up to me. I've I've been really impressed with with Boquist's game lately. Yeah, and to be honest, Jay, I thought it was I thought it was a desperation move to call Boquist up earlier in the season, and the fact that he has stayed here all season long. The only way it was good that he did stay here all all year long, and it sounds like he's going to be here the the rest of the season, is if you give him those high minutes like we like we talked about with Kirby like he's used to playing in all situations and there's a reason why earlier in his career he uh Bulkus was a forward and then he ended up transitioning to defense because he's like wait I get to play more on defense and so we see him now logging these heavy minutes with Duncan Keith and the fact that he's running that first power play unit I remember talking to Patrick Kane I think it was in training camp or can't remember when it was but he was like we want these young guys to come in and sometimes they can get a little bit tentative on the power play where they just have to feed Patrick Kane or whatever. And he's like, I don't see that anymore from Adam Boquist where he's always looking for Patrick Kane. Like I, I really believe that he's such a good power play quarterback now and he's starting to get that rhythm. And the real part of his game that I've been impressed about is his defense. Like he, he's not a physical player. Like he's not going to body you around, but he has such an active stick. Like I feel like he can close the gap so well because 
he gets so low in his crouch and he's just like poking his stick around. And I think that's been, that's been a really key part of his game lately as his defensive game has grown. Well, does that remind you of anybody? That to me, that's Duncan Keith. I mean, I'm not saying Adam Boak versus Duncan Keith, but Keith was never an overly physical defender. He beat you with his speed. He had a great stick. And of course, more than anything, his mind was ahead of most of the guys he was playing against. So he, he could sort of predict where the plays were going to go. But the defensive style is very similar with those two, I think. Yeah, I, w- I would agree because, yeah, we don't think of Duncan Keith as a, like Keith can get physical if he needs to get physical. Right. But Boquist is the kind of guy where I, I agree, Jay, like he, he's he uses that stick so well. And there were con- there were concerns last year in London that he wouldn't be able to transition well um, to to the NHL playing that way. But I mean, he's he's been so good and I've been very impressed with his progression. All right, well, now we're reaching the point of the season. We're less than a month away from the trade deadline, and everyone in our position, you as the Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago, me as a podcaster and blogger, the trade deadline is sort of top of mind all the time, but I feel like what we expect and what we kind of want to happen changes after every game because they're either in it or they're not, and they can't seem to establish themselves one way or the other. If you had to predict today what the Blackhawks do at the deadline, and I know that's a tough question to answer, but let's say all things being cool, it's the trade deadline the day before, and there's still three points out of a playoff spot like they are now. What do you see the Blackhawks doing? Uh, honestly, Jay, I, I, I really feel like Stan Bowman wants to give this shot, this group a shot, and I don't think he's necessarily going to add to the roster if they are in a playoff position or if they fall out of it. Like, I, I feel like he just wants to see what this group can do, and so he doesn't want to one way or another. Like, it's going to send the wrong message to the locker room if they're one or two points out of a playoff spot come trade deadline, and they start trading off the UFAs. Like, mm-hmm. the veterans in there would be really upset. So I'm curious to see. Here's the one, here's the one situation that I, I just have a hard time. Like, this is what I'm following, right? If the Hawks, if, if the Hawks fall out of the playoffs, you're probably going to see a guy like Eric Gustafson moved or some of the UFAs, right? But the one that I have a hard time seeing is, is Robin Leonard. Like, mm-hmm. we, we talked about, oh, maybe Corey Crawford would waive his no-movement clause or no-trade clause and, and go to a contender. But, like, Pierre Lebrun retwe- uh, tweeted this, I, I believe it was during All-Star Weekend, saying, like, the Carolina Hurricanes would be heavily interested in, in Leonard if, they made it, if the Hawks made him available. But, man, I have a really hard time believing that the Hawks would make him available, even if they fall out of a playoff spot right like isn't he isn't he your goalie of the future like because even if you don't make the playoffs this season isn't the goal to make the playoffs again next season and beyond like well I, I don't understand why that is a conversation right now well the only to me Leonard doesn't strike me as a sort of guy who if you do trade him at the deadline he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to take that personally or hold it against you when free agent negotiations come up it doesn't seem like Leonard's going to sign with anyone before this summer so if the Hawks trade him I feel like, just based on the limited knowledge I have of Leonard and the things he said after practices and games, it seems like he would be open-minded. Like, he gets the business side of it, and I don't think he's the kind of guy that would hold it against the Hawks if they did try to move him at the deadline. Because, look, you you can keep him, and maybe you get in, and maybe you win a round, and then what? Then you, and then he doesn't sign with you, and you've got nothing. It's kind of, that. this is where Stan Bowman's work really has to come in is before the deadline. He's got to talk to Leonard's agent. I believe they share an agent. Um, what is it going to take? Is he willing? If we move him, will he come back? These are the questions that Bowman needs to answer between now and then because if you know, if they just lose him, 
for nothing if he just walks, that's 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 a tough pill to swallow, and they don't have a goalie for next year. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. I, I should I probably should have prefaced that by by saying, like if I was if I were Stan Bowman, like I'm looking to re-sign Robin Leonard before the the, the trade deadline. Yes. Like I have to know if he's going to be part of the future going forward. If the Blackhawks have pitched an offer to him and, and Leonard has made it known that hey, I I don't want to sign anything in season because I want to. You know, I just want to explore the market and see. Then, then I think, sure, you absolutely have to then possibly open him up for the trade market. And if he wants to come back to Chicago afterwards, you know, fine. But I, I was more so saying, like, I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't make Leonard available, you know, one way. Like, I would only make him available if he made it known that he wasn't going to sign a contract extension in season. All right, before we let you go, Charlie, and thank you for joining us. This has been really great. Uh, awesome just kind of conversational thing we're doing here, which I really enjoy. Uh, before the Hawks' last game, which was seven years ago, you got a chance to talk to Joel Quenville, and I think everybody watched the interview. It was great. I want to ask you, just sort of, before everything got got going, before you sat down, before you started recording, what was the vibe you were getting from him? Was it a? He just seems so happy to be back, and it truly feels like there are no, there's no ill will really at this point. Yeah, Jay, he was so laid back. Like the second he sat down in the chair, we were kind of chit chatting a little bit off the air and. I mean, we were just talking hockey. Like, it was just, you know, I was talking about how the Florida Panthers, they had beaten the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, earlier that, or a couple of days prior, and then they had they had a game against the LA Kings where they went up 4 nothing. and then he's like, well, they gave us a scare because they came back after 4 Like, he seems so relaxed. It's such a perfect situation for him where he has such a good roster in Florida. Um, I don't want to say that the expectations aren't high, but there isn't that media pressure right. like there is in Chicago. So, like, he has he's inherited this this young group that's on the rise, and he's the perfect head coach to lead that group. And, oh, by the way, he also said this in the interview, he gets off a plane in January, and it's 70 degrees outside when he goes <laughs> home. Like, that has to be the perfect situation for him. And everything you saw on camera, he was very smiley, and, like, that's exactly how he was off camera. Um, it, it was it was such a good interview to see Joel in a place where there was no bitterness towards the organization. And I believe he said that in this pregame press conference in Chicago, too, where he's like, the bitterness that you think you might have towards the organization immediately goes away when you think of all the memories. So I think he's just very appreciative of his 10 years here. And you look at it now, like across the NHL, of all these coaches that are getting fired and whatnot, like the, sh- the shelf life is so short that like maybe that's a also – Joel looks back on that, and I think John Cooper is like the only guy that has passed like five plus years with one organization. <laughs> yeah. Like Joel knows he had it made here in Chicago, so there's no bitterness. All right, there's one thing you said when you were talking to him, and I didn't know how to take it, and maybe you have a better way, a better feel for it. He said that he hears from Dale more than he hears from Stan, or like Dale's more involved. I didn't know if he meant that as a shot against Dale. Like, leave me alone and let me do my job? Or if it was like a Stan was never around sort of a thing. He did make a point to say that, like, Dale's more involved or so- something along those lines. I don't know the exact quote, but something along the lines of, I see and hear a lot more from Dale than I did from Stan. And it almost, to me, sounded like not a shot at Dale, but like a, yeah, he's always around. Kind of like kind of a joking rib, I guess you would say. Um. I kind of took it the other way. I, okay. I, I, I took it the other way as in Joel. And I don't want to say Joel and Stan didn't talk. They obviously had their, their relationship. And I don't know if, you know, I don't want to open up this can of worms, if we overblow that or not. But it is important for a GM and coach to be kind of on the same page. 
similar to what we're seeing now with the, with Jeremy Colleton and, and Sam Bowman. Like they're always talking hockey. Um, I know on flights home, like they're, they're constantly talking about uh, players and reviewing the game and whatnot. So uh, I think Joel maybe appreciates the fact that he can have that sort of relationship with Dale Talon and, and a GM, but I don't think it was, I, I really don't think it was a, a shot at Bowman. Like I think it was just like, well, that's just the nature of the business where you, you want to talk hockey with the guy that you want to be on the same page with the guy that's giving you the roster on the ice. All right. Charlie Romeliotis from NBC Sports Chicago. Thanks for taking some time out. Go enjoy that Arizona weather, and we'll see you when you get back to town. Thanks, Jay, and keep up the good work on here. That was Charlie Romeliotis, NBC Sports Chicago Blackhawks insider. Follow him on Twitter at C Romeliotis. If you don't know how to spell it, go to the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. His name will be tagged in the description of this podcast, so he's very easy to find, very easy to follow, a very handsome man, Charlie Romeliotis, and he really won me over. We were at uh, the Hawks Media uh, Social for the Blackhawks convention, and Charlie has his microphone taped to a broken hockey stick shaft so we can get it right in there for the interviews. Really impressive. I think it was an Easton. Nice stick. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm like, you know what? I respect that. I respect the, I respect the hockey angle of getting your microphone in there. All right, thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. Next time we talk, we will have an actual hockey game to break down. I cannot wait to drop the puck on Saturday night. Hopefully you'll join me on Monday, and it's never too early to get those Talk Back Tuesday questions in. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. The Twitter account at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can always hit me up on my personal account at jzawoski670. We will talk to you on Monday here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.